books on books on the brain. <laughs> Welcome back to Books on the Brain, a podcast of books and nonsense. I'm Danielle. I'm Carly. And I'm Deirdre. And boy, oh boy, do we have an extra special treat for you today, beautiful listeners at home. Uh, we have been planning and planning for months. This has been, this is, actually, I think this might uh, be like one of our first chatting as a team. We're like, we want this mm-hmm. human on our podcast and it's happening and it's so incredibly exciting. So please uh, join us in welcoming the wonderful, the talented, the superb Victoria Aviard. Oh, that was a lovely introduction. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm Victoria. If you hear any jingling in the background, that is my dog Indy moving from a nap spot to another. That is okay. They're, listeners at home are well-versed in uh, obscure animal noises in the background of our podcast, so no panicking. <laughs> no panicking. Oh my goodness, how's everybody doing today? Mercury retrograde ended as of today, I believe. Yes. I think it took us all for a doozy in the last month. I can only speak for myself, but... Especially the last week. I feel like the Mm. last seven days, I was like, this needs to end. (laughs) I can't do this anymore. (laughs) For sure. I felt the same way. Yeah. It's like coinciding with midterms for me. So Mm. I'm like... Is it school or is it life? I think mm. it's both. both. <laughs> I think it might be both. I was gonna ask, um, how is uh, how is Indy doing? Um, He's doing really, really well. She was definitely, I'm thinking, a victim of Mercury retrograde in that she had to have another crazy emergency surgery in the last month. Um, and you guys were so so wonderful in helping me schedule around that. When things like that happen, life gets very unpredictable very fast. But she's doing great very happy to be back on her schedule of eating and being worshipped and sleeping oh well, I'm so glad <laughs> yes okay oh my goodness sorry I have like a thousand tabs open um okay on the books on the brain podcast we kind of have a tried and true t- tradition where we ask uh any of our guests and all of our guests not any all of our guests uh what tiktok sound is currently stuck in their head anybody want to go first <laughs> um Oh, I was oh, just sorry, saying, what? that's a really good question, uh, because I feel like we're all kind of communicating in TikTok noises. Right? 100%. On TikTok, and you say, like, mm, good soup, and they're like, what are you doing? <gasps> I had to... Like, Get with the program, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to explain what no bones meant uh, to somebody this is... weekend. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so there's this dog. <laughs> there's the noodles. He's a pug. So, He's got no bones except for um, some of the time. Yes. So I will say maybe I don't have a TikTok sound stuck in my head currently. I'm just like living in a perpetual state of bones and no bones. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Um, Kind of on that same uh, vein, there's a sound that's like, Mercury might be in Gatorade, but the pug had bones today, so it's going to be a good day. I really like that sound, because <laughs> again, it's that, like, very, very niche internet lingo, where, like, if you were to tell that to another human being who did, who's not on TikTok, they'd be like, excuse me? I love that sound. That's a pretty good sound. Um, I currently have 
oh no, our table, it's broken. Like it's applied to so many situations and I'm like, I love it. I love, I just go through the sound and I'm like, wow, this is, this is pure TikTok. I said it to my roommate yesterday. I was just like looking at our table. And I was like, oh no. She was like, is it? I was like, well, yeah, our table's been broken for months. We knew this. We have to wood glue the legs back together. But I was just saying the TikTok sound. I felt ahead of the curve with berries and cream because I remember that commercial. And I used to say, I'm a little lad who loves berries and cream all the time, years before TikTok was a thing. And everyone, I was a little right. <laughs> You're a trendsetter. Really? Oh, yes. <laughs> So speaking of TikTok, it's kind of become this phenomenon in the book community over the last year, and you are on TikTok, Victoria. So what brought you there, um, and do you enjoy being there? <laughs> so I originally got on TikTok just as a casual scroller, and then that was during the whole scare of, is TikTok spying on us? Actually, I shouldn't be on here, so I shut it down, and then I kind of people kept sending me TikToks. I would watch it in like the browser and be like, no, no, I do really want to come back. And then my agency, I think like a year and a half ago, they were like, hey, you should probably get on TikTok. We think it'd be a good medium for you. And I was like, oh, the excuse I need to return to TikTok. Thank you. <laughs> the amount of time I lose to that app. But it has been really wonderful to, mm. once I figured out like, it's not just young, hot people doing dances really opened yes. it up for me um and the algorithm started kicking in and, and it, finding all of these little communities that you didn't know other people identified with as you mm. isn't so cool book talk of course has been a force in publishing um and it's really interesting to see you know the organic movement of books you know adam silvera has had so much success this year because of this went viral mm -hmm. on tiktok it snowballed from there that book's been out for four years he has continuously grinded and worked so, so hard. And it sort of was like lightning for him. It's been really awesome to see. But then also finding like the mid-size community on TikTok has been amazing. I'm like, oh my God, someone with my body type is trying on clothes and telling me how they fit. And she's like a five foot one curvy person. I've never seen this before. It's just really cool and another way to find, you know, different communities that you've been looking for and didn't really know were there. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I feel like that has also been my experience. It's just like opened me up to other areas of the internet. I felt so like pigeonholed on YouTube and Instagram. I wasn't like branching out and now I'm like on knitting TikTok and I end up on owl TikTok every once in a while. I'm like, I'm not really into owls, but like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like even things that you like, it's, I think like specifically the reading community, I feel like TikTok is such a good forum for people who read mm -hmm. like it's short uh there's a really easy way to interact with each other and like I feel like a lot of people who loved reading didn't really know how to find community online until TikTok which is kind of cool and I, I mean with it like lining up with the pandemic and people having to be home uh kind of was like a kismet of wonderful things happening at the same time but it's kind of funky that like I mean, the three of us have never met in person before, and we live, like, across yeah. the country from each other. Uh, and we just are friends because of a little clock app <laughs> where we talk about books. It's kind of weird. Like the millennial elder here because I remember, you know, the, the things we used to have to do to find our book community. Like, 
I was part of an RPG group that did Potter oh, role yeah. playing on like forums. And I remember we all went, my two of my friends and I went to the mall to meet with the other kids in the forum. We could have totally been like an adult man who was going to kidnap us and our parents Stop, like <laughs> go find the food court your person your people will be there and we were very lucky that it was all just dorky kids like us or um like fanfiction.net finding people on that and having your sort of connection there but tiktok you're right it's been it cuts all those shortcuts out it's just a direct line between you and another person and finding that that connection in is very very solitary especially as authors you know we were yeah. As, during the pandemic you know we don't get to tour we don't get to see the books reach the reader that's always been that moment where you're like oh my god this is real and this is happening and this thing I've been writing in in isolation now has people who understand it the way I do so you don't get that gratification and then you go to TikTok and I'm like oh my god they're there they exist <laughs> yes we're here we're reading your books <laughs> yes we are we are um, kind of piggybacking off of that, um, how do you find like interactions as an author online and like what are the kind of boundaries that you set and like finding a balance between your personal persona and maybe like your online persona? That's a, that's a really good question. I think a lot of authors struggle with the idea of social media responsibility and not just responsibility to like put out a brand that feels authentic, but just the responsibility to be there. It can be an overwhelming thing and I know there's a lot of uh, misinformation thrown around about, well, you need to have this many followers or you need to be on this platform to get, which is not true. You may get pushed later on. There, a lot of authors I know are now getting contracts that have social media obligations, which is like really scary. Oh. I've been lucky in that um, all the platforms I've been using have been organic use for me. There are things I was using already. I, I like to mm -hmm. think, or I'm scared to think, whatever the next social media platform is, I will have aged out. <laughs> I will out <laughs> I'm I still have my Tumblr. Like I love that. Oh my gosh, yes, I follow it. <laughs> so boundaries. One of the reasons I think TikTok and Instagram are still really important to us as writers in the publishing community is that we can really control interaction there. Twitter is a lot mm -hmm. more difficult and I've sort of transferred my Twitter to updates only this past July when I was on a really hard deadline and not only was it good for my productivity, but it was so good for my mental health. And it became one of those things where mm -hmm. like, I don't really need this one. This is not the medium for us anymore. The, the type of interactions that this place encourages are not good for us as writers, as creatives. It's not good for readers. It's not good for anyone in the sphere. I get it for meeting people and that kind of interaction, but you, you expose yourself to a lot of ugliness, especially if you do anything or tweet any kind of political opinion. I learned that the way hard oh, during yeah. the elections. That was a that was a fun time, but it did you know anesthetize me to a lot of stuff. You know, someone sending you critique on your book is whatever when you've had like Nazis talk to you. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I know I've been meaning to message you on Instagram for like months because every time you post um, something political or encouraging the LGBTQ plus community, I'm always like, thank you. Like, I don't know if people tell you enough, like, thank you so much for doing that because you don't have to. And it's incredible. Hey, I mean, thank you for saying that. It's nice. Sometimes you feel like you're shouting into the void and you get, you know, 1% of the people responding are awful and 99 
corresponding mm. are amazing. You feel like, okay, I'm making a connection here that's good. Um, and it's good for these kids to see that. And I do get messages from people who say, you know, oh, a few years ago, I felt uh, oppositional to this thing. And because I follow you writers mm -hmm. and all of you talk about this, it expanded my viewpoint a little bit more. I think a lot of us YA authors are sort of the only exterior force that they encounter when they're teenagers in certain mm -hmm. communities. Um, we're sort yeah. of like approved. Uh, but then, you know, we talk about something that might be a little bit more subversive to whatever they're being taught by parents or guardians or authority figures. So that's also interesting to you feel a little bit of a responsibility to be like, well, I might be the only one they ever hear say this. And it might make them ask a question that makes them ask a question that gets them to somewhere. So that's always nice and gratifying to see. I love that. And yeah. it gives you hope too. I mean, it's mostly teenagers responding in ways that are frustrating and you think okay you've got a lot of time ahead of you you've got a lot of the world that you haven't experienced I was very much a sheltered small town kid who went to a big university in a huge city that was very different from where I grew up and that was so beneficial to me meeting new people and making new friends so I hope that's um well I'm for them that's a little less depressing because I know there's a chance yeah sure. I, I think there's something so powerful about like writing things that can reach people who need to hear messages and I think mm -hmm. your your presence online and your books do that for people which is like really cool and our all of our books are inherently political even if they are mm -hmm. definitively not political not commenting on anything in terms of society that itself is a political choice too uh yeah. so whenever someone's like oh leave politics out of it it's like that's not a thing oh lord of the rings have politics harry potter didn't have current events they did you just are not a good reader <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you need to work on that critical thinking piece a little bit there just friend. a little <laughs> just a little bit, bit, bit. the um, thing that we're missing right now it's why we have so much information mm -hmm. because people can't vet what they're reading anymore you know some right a yeah. post from a facebook and they're like oh that's real and you're like no it's generation yeah. told us not to trust wikipedia yeah <laughs> <laughs> like the past year i think has just been like a, such a crash course in like how little how little like literacy people have specifically like media literacy and other things like it always surprised me how how clear you have to be with people about what what is real and what is not real Crazy. And something we all have to do is we all have to decide, is this interaction in good faith? Anytime you, mm -hmm. uh, someone could be asking a question that is a very innocent question and all they want to know is your opinion, or someone could be trying to, to catch you in something, or someone could be commenting on something just because they're mad at you and they want to say a mean thing and they're figuring out a roundabout way to do it or the, the criticism is totally valid it's really hard to, to filter through so many different um lenses when you're interacting the parasocial relationships are wild yeah totally. yes um my next question is we've seen um this really cool thing on book talking you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier victoria where um there's like this resurgence or like renaissance for books that have been published five to ten years uh since today or before today um and what is it like seeing a series like red queen 
which you finished writing a while back, like have a comeback on Book Talk and even people f- experiencing it for the first time because of it trending on Book Talk again. Really cool. And it's one of those things that as much as you can want it to happen, I, I, I like that TikTok is completely organic. You know, you can send a book to somebody and hope they read it and review it. But at the end of the day, if they don't like it, they're not going to post something about it or the, they're not going to get the views or whatever. And it's not going to reach that next person and that next person and snowball the way that you're trying to do, you know, Instagram, there was a little bit more where the publishers could kind of push things. Twitter was a little bit more, but TikTok is really fascinating in that it's genuine. You know, I can post Mm -hmm. a video that gets a ton of views, but it, it's not going to end with me. It has to snowball. Um, it's nice that I have so much control, but at the same time, I'm just kind of sending it out into the ether. Yeah. And I think, I'm not sure about Carly, but I know Danielle and I were introduced to you because mm. of book talk. And oh, cool. one, of my, one of the best things that's happened to me this year, I honestly. I embracing um, it too and doing like the TikTok tables and stuff because it, it's its own genre almost. And it, a lot of different mm. spaces you know you have YA fantasy you have adult romance you you're kind of across the board um and the books that get featured at least the ones that I've seen getting featured you know like Adam or Lee Bardugo's books the books that have really snowballed Colleen Hoover are all people who are like genuinely awesome outside the sphere of mm-hmm. publishing so it's nice to see those people who work so hard and are actually good get a huge level of success absolutely and it feels like like for the first time in a long time um authors and books that cover a wider range of diversity are getting their time in the spotlight after so much time of maybe just not been giving a fair shot Mm. by readers or by publishers uh or for a a myriad of reasons um but it's so cool to like look like to step into a bookstore and see the book talk table be completely diverse where if yeah. you were to walk in like five or 10 years ago, it would not be that diverse. It's really Yeah, cool. not to keep Adam as like mm-hmm. a, uh, an example, but that book came out three or four years ago. It definitely would have been, would not have been advertised the same way as it was today. Today it probably mm-hmm. gotten, it was also from a smaller publisher. It would have gotten the attention it should have been have gotten three years ago. It would have been advertised and pushed in a different way. And then to see that come back around and TikTok being like, no, no, you actually do deserve this. It's just chef's kiss. So we've seen this conversation kind of like bounce around the last couple of months on TikTok. And it's this idea that some people are waiting to read a series until it's fully published um, versus reading it or even just buying it as it comes out. Um, Can you talk a little bit from like the author perspective? Like, what is that like to see people being like, yeah, I'm excited about your book, but like, I need to wait five years until they're off. Um, Yeah, and I did make like a TikTok about this because- Yes, yes. I I remember I was surprised at how many people responded and how many people were like, oh my God, this is a question I wanted answered. Uh, yeah, as, a, as an author, it's frustrating because there are very, very few, I would say a handful of us who are honestly safe in our careers, meaning we will have jobs for the next 10 years. Most of us, I, I look at every single day with, I could never make another dollar in this job. I could never sell another book. And I know that there are very few people who reach that level of safety. Like we are all treading water and very few of us can make it to the where you're safe. Um, and even then, 
then you're still always chasing something. You're still always trying to hit your sales. You're still always working within an industry that is a numbers game and is a business and you are treated like a business commodity. So it is hard to hear. We want to read the book, but I'm going to wait for all of them to come out. And sometimes all of them won't come out. And it's really hard for authors who are on the fence knowing, you know, I'm signed for the first two, but I'm not signed for the last two. And if this first, these two books don't sell to a place where the publisher believes in the next ones, they won't publish them. There's no obligation there. I've been really lucky in that um, I've, the first Red Queen book, I was signed for three. And then I was able to do the fourth to finish the series the way I wanted because it had that level of support and the publisher was happy to publish another one. Um, and a lot of authors don't do that. And that's another reason why book piracy can be an issue too, because the series might not finish. You can love it and talk it up all you want, but if, it, if the sales aren't there on paper for the traditional publisher to see, you're gonna have a hard time getting the ending of that story. I know some authors have then gone and indie published and I think that's a great option. I'm fascinated by indie publishing. I get a lot of questions about that as well. And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I've heard great things. I've heard pros and cons. There's pros and cons to my world as well, but that seems crazy and they do things I cannot do. Yeah, they really are like two completely different worlds. I think indie publishers also do like five jobs. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yes. There's so much going on behind the scenes. So much. And I think, like, there's only a few authors that I can think of at the top of my head who do mm -hmm. both. And it's so interesting to see which projects get picked up by traditional publishing and which ones they choose to self-publish mm -hmm. or indie publish. It's so interesting. And, like, I don't know much about it, so it's always so fascinating to see that side of things, which until really like joining an online book community i didn't really think about all of those other steps that go into how books are absolutely made. i know and people ask you know how did you pick traditional or indie and i'm like i didn't even know indie was an option i i, I thought it was just mm -hmm. write it you hit mm -hmm. click on amazon and there's the book i did not know anything about it. <laughs> traditional was right. just that's publishing uh and every day I learn something new and every day I'm like, wow, that's crazy. They get to do that. Or I'm like, wow, that's crazy. They have to do that. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so we are all three of us are very, 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 very excited about the red queen adaptation that is in the works. Um, is there anything you can tease anything you can tell us? Um, I can say that I am writing the pilot with our showrunner, Beth, who is incredible. Her name is Beth and I feel we were paired up almost two years ago we were talking about this right before the pandemic uh, uh, our production company brought her in to meet with me and to see if we gelled because we were looking for a showrunner to do the pilot and then hopefully the show and she and I hit it off immediately got on like a house on fire pandemic hit all our meetings went to zoom uh, and mm. she I feel so so lucky because first of all most of our team is female and I love that. Our showrunner is female. Our showrunner is also previously a showrunner on a sci-fi fantasy show. So when you're looking at the list of people who have actually worked, have actually been showrunners, that's a short list. Then the amount of those showrunners who are women, shorter list, who are women who have worked in drama, shortest list. She show ran the last few seasons of Arrow and I'm a huge Arrow fan. So that's like, oh yeah. Oh my God. 
that's filmed where I live. Yeah, you, you understand combining like the action, the romance, the fun, sort of like the pure id of the superhero genre. Um, she's a great fit and I'm really happy to be working with her and to see the story through her eyes too, to see the holes that are important to her or the tiny little things that I think to myself, like, oh, that was something I put in there for me. And to have her be like, I loved that. It's so cool. And I feel really safe, you know, once the pilot is done turning over the story to her and I'm very happy to see where it goes. But I can say we are expanding on point of views. Okay, okay. Um, that is so exciting. When the pandemic started, I had this lovely book on my shelf, COVID Queen. I was like, oh, it's been sitting on there for a while. I should pick it up. Man, <laughs> I like flew through those books like Amazon, like Prime could not come fast enough. I was like, I need these books. So I am super excited. Well, I'm glad it landed for you because I constructed them to be as digestible as possible. <laughs> I love, love these books. I love visuals. I love speed. And those books are designed to kind of addict you and the whole like every chapter ending in a cliffhanger is very much my own manipulation of the reader <laughs> i loved every minute of it carly is like a huge fan carly's been talking about this for literally since we met carly's the biggest fan oh of yours i'm gonna say that on carly's <laughs> behalf i'm so glad we got to do this then this has been really fun and really uh, just an engaging podcast sometimes you run through you know the normal questions and this has all been really really interesting both to me and just like the conversation we're having yeah good we're glad yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been thinking on these questions i gave you a lot of war meetings not even about that like we just had war meetings about like we got to craft the perfect questions they had to be so good um <laughs> speaking of great questions um we that that was like a self-plug transition oh god um <laughs> dear dear goodness um the three of us are huge huge fantasy fans we really love fantasy specifically high fantasy the three of us are big fans of um and you've Victoria, you've carved out this really cool, like, spot in the YA high fantasy space for your novels, specifically mm -hmm. Realbreaker. Um, and what is it like writing high fantasy in the YA space? Like, how, what negotiations do you have to make? Do you feel like you have to make negotiations? Or is it, like, what what's cool about yeah, it? Yeah, that's a great question. One thing I think I did with Red Queen that I really wanted to carry over to Realbreaker is accessible fantasy. Uh, so I had a lot of readers who would tell me after they read, you know, I never read fantasy before this book. And this book led me to other fantasy books. And I find that to be one of the highest compliments to be like a gateway to, to ramp you into other books. And so when I approached Realmbreaker, I wanted this to feel in depth and enough and intense enough for uh, fantasy readers, but also make it not so intimidating to readers who maybe haven't picked up a fantasy novel. Um, so I was trying to walk that line a little bit and there are tiny little tricks that I have that uh, make it that much more digestible to an audience that doesn't necessarily read high fantasy. Um, Cause something like the Lord of the Rings, fantastic. But you look at that book and that can be intimidating. Um, so I really wanted to be as inviting as possible. Not to say that Realm Breaker 
is like not confusing because <laughs> I know that prologue is confusing and I know if you can get through it and figure out what I'm doing then the rest of the book really works and I really fought for that prologue because I think it set up the tone and what I was doing with the world really really quickly um and I'm glad I got it in there and I'm glad people responded to it the way I wanted them to yeah I have to say as like a big adult fantasy reader and then reading Realm Breaker I was so excited to see a book in the YA space constructed the way Realm Breaker is because I feel like I constantly have viewers asking me for recommendations to transition into adult high fantasy and I'm constantly like I want to give you a YA option so that it's that like digestible accessible writing and since I read Realm Breaker I'm like this is it this is the book that you should read before diving into adult high fantasy. <laughs> I, I love it I mean because uh, I'm in that headspace where I'm admitting that I will not finish Dune before I see the movie on Saturday. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's a whole other can of words. Throws you into the deep end, which I love. I do to my own readers. It's just taken me a long time to read it. And it's one of those things where once you get past that first 100, 150 pages, okay, you're you're on the roller coaster. You can't get off. Thrones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that's how I'll be with Dune when I get to that place, but I just haven't gotten there. That's fair. Um, so after the huge success of Red Queen, um, what was the process like making Realm Breaker like its own entity? Yeah, so the thing with publishing and with traditional publishing and your writing career, you plan your years very far out. So I remember mm. after I believe the third Red Queen book, I my agent and I sat down basically with a calendar and went through and said, what are we doing in 2019? What are we doing in 2020? What are we doing in 2021? I said, I want to do this trilogy YA high fantasy next. I think I want to take a year off from publishing to really set it up as much and give myself as much time to build the world and build the story and then ramp the story. So, so on our schedule, I had 2020 blacked out as a publishing year. I was never publishing a book in that year. And now in hindsight, I'm very glad we made that decision. But it was lucky that I got that time with the story and I got that extra, you know, a little more time in the kitchen. Uh, and I'm in a position where I could get that. A lot of authors, you know, you are on that train of one book a year and you have to stay ahead of that train forever uh, because it could be life or death for you because that's what the publisher is demanding and you're not in a place to say, I can't do it or the story needs more. Um, I had to write three books before I got to the place where I felt comfortable enough saying, I need a little more time. Um, you know, I was a baby writer and like any job, you know, you get to a place where you feel comfortable asking for more or you understand what your boundaries are. So every new book is figuring out what works best for me, what works best with my relationship with my editor, what works best for the team, what works best for the book. It's a lot of things to balance and you're constantly discovering new things about yourself and how you interact with this job. Um, a job that has no HR and primer and you don't really learn anything about it until you start talking to other authors that's always my biggest advice to debut authors is find other authors who will talk to you about the process talk to you about your publisher uh talk to you about the business of things that's the best way i've learned and how i learned you know oh actually that's not right and they shouldn't be doing that or i should be doing this instead or i actually have to do this it's a it's it's a constant learning process 
Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be going to school in January for creative writing because I want to be an author one day. So it's, it's amazing to see like how transparent you are as an author, even just to like your audience in general, because it's, it's nice to just see it and get like a little tidbit. I remember, you know, before I sold my manuscript, when I had it, I was Googling all the time, you know, how do you become an author? What is an agent? What do they do? Who represents what author? How do I figure all of this out? Um, so to be able to have Twitter and then Instagram and then TikTok and have authors fully accessible who, if they want to, are talking about the business of what they do, it's just been so helpful to me. So to turn around and, you know, someone has a question, I can answer it. I can answer it. It takes 30 seconds of my time to say, here's how royalties work or here's how advances work. And like, that's so generous like I know it seems like it's like not but it is generous like Mm -hmm. to share that knowledge sometimes things are so gatekept Mm -hmm. from people who are starting like that I extend this even past like the writing industry to a lot of different like fine arts fields or arts fields Mm -hmm. so much information is gatekept from people who are entering uh it's just it's just generous so you're a very generous human (laughs) too of like when I said, oh, here's what royalties are, and let's say you make 10% for this book that costs this amount of money and you make this X amount of dollars. I remember mm-hmm. people afterwards being like, wait, is that actually what you get? Could I get better or should I be asking for more? So you don't want to give examples or put out information that might be wrong to someone else mm-hmm. or might expose you as being like, oh my God, I've been being taken for a ride. So in our industry, it's hard because we don't know the norms. We don't know what the next person is doing. So whenever someone reveals something or you see a deal memo that has an actual number in it, we're all like, what? So uh, the transparency not only helps aspiring authors or people who just want to know how the publishing industry works, it helps all of us. Um, so there's been a lot of, you know, whisper network stuff. But you're, you, again, you just don't want to embarrass yourself. So I think a lot of people refrain from talking about it because they don't want to embarrass themselves on the off chance that it's like, oh my God, that idiot agreed to that contract. Well, the, what was that thing on Twitter? Carly, you talked about it in a book report. That hashtag, do you remember what it oh. was? Hashtag publishing paid me. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing that happened. So um, that one was hard because I totally get the point of it. It's hard to do that in a public forum where those things are added by someone outside the industry who does not understand it. I mm-hmm. totally understand it for within the industry when you're talking to people. But I think it also exposed a lot of people who were already pretty, you know, unsafe online. To yeah. More right. use and that sucks. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so moving back to Realm Breaker. Um, I just, we need to talk about how incredible the title is because it's so badass. It, the second I heard it, I was like, I have to pick up this book. I don't even know what it's about. I need to pick it up. Title. I, had to, I was told to change my original title and I'm very glad that we ended up with something that worked a lot better. But the original title was um, Spindle, and, Spindle and Blade. Yes. That was the Okay. And then we went to Realm Breaker. Yeah. And then it was, well, it was Spindle and Blade. Then it was going to be Spindle Blade. And then the second one was going to be Spindle Broken. And then the third one was going to be Spindle Born. And once we went Realm Breaker, we changed all of that. So it's Realm Breaker, Blade Breaker, and then whatever the third one is. (laughs) 
thought. <laughs> that is amazing. I love knowing that. Um, how, so like, how do you come up with your titles? Because I love all of them. I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. these are all iconic. <laughs> Red Queen came to me while I was writing the manuscript. That was partially, you know, it makes sense in world with the lore. And then I was also thinking about the Red Queen hypothesis on the sciencey side of things. And mm-hmm. probably as far as my science goes in those books, someone was like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense that powers would be passed from the father because the father doesn't give all the chromosomes if it's a girl. And I was like, it's mad. <laughs> Um, science <laughs> and then Bonebreaker was a process of okay the original title that I've been working with in my head is not gonna work let's brainstorm a bunch and I came up with a list and and I had the list with I like my titles all to make sense together and I had all three of them and that was the one that we all collectively were like yeah that's great let's go with that definitely I mean, well I it worked say, yeah uh king's cage iconic when i finally figured out why it was called king's cage i was like that one was originally called bone cage and i'm really <sighs> glad we didn't go with that <laughs> a lot of books that would have been vandalized to say boner cage <gasps> oh my god <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> men cannot That's really funny the things you have to think of, you know? Right. And you have to think, you know, what other book titles are coming out? You somehow have to be aware of like books coming out for the next two years. Mm-hmm. It gets missed, you're like, oh, how did I miss that? But also, how did I miss one out of the 200 books that are coming out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boner Cage, that's funny. <laughs> that's the name of this episode. Yeah, my guess it is. Oh, perfect. <laughs> really draw people in i'll have like the classic victoria title draw just boner cage yeah saying the next one should have been like two realm two breaker and a lot of different (laughs) two realm two breaker tokyo drift electric a lot of that yeah (laughs) i think it has a nice ring to it um we we took a quiz before we hopped on the call. Uh, Epic Reads has like a what Realm Breaker character are you quiz. Um, and we have been keeping our answers secret from each other. Oh. Because uh, we wanted to talk about how funny it was, which characters we were. Because I think it's going to be funny. Um, and then we wanted to ask you what character you think you're most like in Realm Breaker. Okay. Okay. Who wants to reveal themselves first? Don't everybody jump at once. <laughs> I'm like nervous. I'll go because I'm excited. I got Erida. Yes. I- oh. At least one of you would be Erida. I also got Erida. <laughs> um, I got Andrew. Hmm. I feel like Erida is borderline just if you're a violent feminist. <laughs> yeah. That makes total sense. Do you drink a lot of tea if you got Andrew? I do. I drink tea all the time. Yeah. That's an identifier. <laughs> I love that. I'll say Corrine obviously is the one I identify with most and the character who I filter through the most. And a lot of her flaws and like many obsessions come from me. Um, going into this book, coming from Red Queen, especially a book about literal superpowers, you know. I wanted to then go write a hero story about a very ordinary girl who 
back when I was a teenager could have felt like, oh, maybe I could be this person too, because it's a little alienating to then read a book and they're a, the person's amazing and great and everything and wonderful and th so thin and beautiful. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so Corrine was definitely a lot of my teenage self. Erida has a little bit more of my adult self with any kind of morals stripped away. I really love writing her and love sort of ratcheting up that idea of women doing anything to survive in a world built by men. And I love the idea of villain characters who are sort of made to become villains by the world around them. You know, the understandable villains of, you know, you're bad and what you're doing is wrong, but I understand how you got to this point in your life. So for Erida and also Terristan, I, I really loved having that dynamic. And then getting to, to really go full tilt on a potential villain romance after a book series where I flirted with it quite a bit and a lot of people wanted it, but it didn't make sense in the grand run of the series. Mm -hmm. So to come into it the next time around and be like, I'm gonna have the setup where it does make sense. That was fun. That's, uh, that's so exciting. Uh, that's so, so cool. Exciting. <laughs> I love hearing like how your brain works. It's great. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is just more, also more books you write, more time you spend doing this, the more you realize, well, I can kind of pick and choose what I'm doing. You know, I'm not entirely at the mercy of the work. I'm kind of in control here too. So to go in with those ideas of, I want to do a villain romance. I want to do a medieval fantasy that has a wider scope of world and character. I want to have these things in place already. These were all lessons I learned from Red Queen where I was discovering a lot of it as I was going and I realized how difficult that is uh, versus coming in knowing these are some of the things I need to have in this story and how will I make it clear that they are facilitated from the get-go. It's, it's so amazing, like reading through Roundbreaker and seeing how fully fleshed out and how strong all of the female characters were, like it's so... It just, like, is a testament to how YA as a genre, and specifically the female representation in YA, has gone from being this, like, 2013, even earlier, like, um, damsels in distress kind of thing, to having women being their own event in these stories and being being their own entities. It's so, it's, it's so encouraging to me, like, remembering reading YA genre books as a teen mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. reading them as an adult being like, yeah, I'm so glad Generation Now gets to grow up with these kinds of stories. Not that the older stories weren't good. I just, my feminist brain's like, I like these ones a little bit more right now. Yeah, and it, we also get to show, because there are very much books from that era where they're like, yes, they're feminist and it's a strong female character. And now we're showing all the different facets of what a strong female character mm -hmm. is. It isn't just Katniss Everdeen, who is so strong and so affected and so capable that you don't have to be that to be considered strong you can be Prue too you can be Sansa Stark or you can be Arya Stark um, there's a whole range of different female characters that you can identify with and having one that I know I would have identified with as a teenager was really important to me as much as I think a lot of YA is about um, projection and wish fulfillment and I very much play on those as well you have to have that little element of like well now they're in the situation I wish I could be in 
and I, in while writing the second book, I definitely had my little list of like, what are my wish fulfillment moments? What are my trope moments that I really want to put in there? Because when I was writing fan fiction as a teenager, this was the <laughs> that was for me. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes. 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 All those tropes that we talk about on, on TikTok too, when they're like, oh, the enemies, but then she gets hurt and he's like, who did this to you? And you're like, ah, yes. <laughs> Yeah, like my, um, my sister's 10 years younger than me. She's 16. Um, I just had to think about that for a second. Yes, she's 16. So when I finished Realm Breaker, it was really exciting to just hand her my um, advanced reader copy because that's what I had and be like, please read this. Um, I know dad gave you a stack of books to read that are, they're good, but you need to read this right now. <laughs> um, and it's exciting to like, get to share those moments with her of like, I feel like past me approves of this book and adult me is like, I would love for a teenager to read this. <laughs> Great. That's the best part. I mean, about any kind of storytelling, whether it be books or television or movies is that moment when you get to share it with somebody else. And that's why storytelling endures. It's why it's something that we as humans have done since the advent of language. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's how we connect. It's how we pass things on. It's how we live after we're we die story yeah yeah um my best friend she lives in france and um when i was reading red queen i was like ma'am you have to you have to read this the series and she was like okay um and then turns out now her sister's reading it and apparently now her dad has read it and now they're on realm breaker and i'm like y'all we need to have a zoom call and just talk <laughs> out how to message that my books are all dad approved because the first person to read all of my books is my dad yes, yes. Oh, i love that <laughs> that's really cute uh oh this is my daughter's thing so i'm gonna love it either way like he genuinely will enjoy these books or be like oh that didn't really work for me i don't think i'm sure about this thing not a critic not a writer the man can barely spell but he knows a good story and that's Patrick is like did he finish did he stop did he get bored in a certain place no great <laughs> the dad barometer dad barometer yes so i get dads my um my signings who will bring that's one of the coolest things is when you go to a signing oh year old girl holding a book and her dad is with her and he's like pose pose let me take the picture the, the parents at signings are the coolest thing because the kids are usually thinking about myself at 13 shy as hell and are kind of like oh scared almost <laughs> they get and they just slide the book to you and they don't say a word to you and you sign the book and then the mom or the dad interferes and gets what that that kid actually wants oh it's so cute that's adorable mm -hmm. that is so sweet <laughs> i know red queen obviously was published before realm breaker but which story idea came first was it red queen or realm breaker red queen for sure um realm breaker came a few years ago red queen came to me my senior year of college uh, mm. second semester getting close to graduation and things mm. real and scary uh-huh <laughs> a worker job and i emailed myself a snippet of a scene which ended up being the scene at the end of red queen where mare's in the arena fighting for her life and that was the first little visual i got of the story um and then Realm Breaker was a few years ago. Originally in my brain, I was just thinking of, well, what kind of thing do I want to do next? And what did I love as a teenager and what was I missing? 
and I loved Lord of the Rings, but there was so much missing from that story for a teenage girl, you know, mm-hmm. to not be part of that story. And a lot of people couldn't be part of that story. And then I was like, wait a second, I'm like in a position now where I could attempt to use that as my inspiration and it could be a real book. What? That's what I've been wanting to do since I was 11 years old. And now I might actually get to do something inspired by Lord of the Rings that is mine. And that was wild to, to come up with the original little grain was the Fellowship of the Ring dies. Who's next? And I knew that nerd on this teenage girl who's not a chosen one. That's how I came at it. You know, how do I make her smarts and logic and her intelligence be the thing that helps her save the world? Wow. I love it. <laughs> and then I got to have all my fun stuff. I got all my tropes. I got my grumpy immortals and I got my sarcastic dark assassins and I I wanted in these stories and you gave Uh, us what we wanted to trust me we wanted to yes and I think one of the things I love about YA because we do get the question you know why did you pick YA and partially you know I didn't pick it the story fits YA Uh, Mm -hmm. YA specifically to me beyond the age range of the characters YA is about pace and YA is about Mm -hmm. audience YA books are much faster paced and it's a pace that I really connect to because my background in creative writing is in screenwriting, which is really fast paced. So I learned to write story that way. And then audience wise, I think for YA, we are much more aware of our audience than a lot of other genres. It's the same with middle grade and picture books. They're also much more aware of their audience. But I think an adult, you know, you're more writing for yourself and for a certain type of person, but you're not thinking about the full audience. Whereas in YA, you're like, how do I make this accessible to them as many people as possible? Uh, and what do they want? And what do I want? And you find the cross point of that. Definitely. It's very important. Um, so speaking of Blade, Will Brown Baker, uh, is there anything you can or want to tease about Blade Breaker? I kind of teased a little bit with talking about a scene that I was editing this week, which is one of my favorite scenes in the book, which is very much a tropey moment. Very much like a moment when two people who don't like each other have to work together to survive. I love that. Um, But there's a lot of tropey moments in this book. There's a lot of escalation. And the way it ends, I'm really happy with. It's something I've sort of built up and I, I think it's quite painful. And I'm excited for people to read it. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I'm gonna be billing you my therapist bills, ma'am. <laughs> Girl, oh, add no. to the stack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. And now Ugh. is the a great time to plug. Uh y'all should be pre-ordering Blade Breaker mm-hmm. if you haven't already. There are supply chain shortages on top of just oh. you should pre-order your books anyway. Um what what date does Blade Breaker release? Is it in <laughs> Don't worry. There's no specific day yet. We're shooting for August. Oh, perfect. Um I'm going to say like that's what we're on track for, but there are exterior forces now that are forcing books back. So hopefully we yes. don't get stuck on a cargo ship. I live in Los Angeles. I see all of them every single day. 
Um, we have asked uh, a couple of our guests this question, so we thought it might be fun. Um, we've kind of seen this trend on Book Talk recently where people give their like best and worst uh, books that they've read that Book Talk has recommended. Um, so do you have any uh, that you've loved, not loved, um, that you've seen, either that you've seen on Book Talk or? Yeah, uh, I'm so behind on my TBR that the ones that I put on there because of book talk, I've not gotten around to, which <laughs> sucks. Um, I really want to read some. I'm one of the people who have not read Song of Achilles yet, but I have read Cersei and I loved it. So I'm going to guess that I'm going to love Song of Achilles as well. And then worst, I don't know. I, I feel like once you get into publishing, it's really hard to talk about books you don't draft. Mm -hmm. It's like common courtesy, I guess. Um, but it's nice to see like everyone, every book has an audience and maybe it's not you and that's okay. Yeah. I find even, um, now that I have like a couple authors following me on TikTok, I'm like, I don't know if I want to give a negative review. Can I give just a neutral review? <laughs> and it's hard. I mean, I, I feel for you guys too, because then the platform, it, it's almost like an Ouroboros where you start to eat the tail where these things happen and you gain your followers and you gain their trust in this sort of genuine connection because you're able to say what you want and then you get big enough to a place like oh I don't know if I want to say that so that's very hard it's also difficult when because of the nature of the platform if you put up a review that's maybe not like a glowing review people will just tag the author in it and you're like could you not like it's I'm not inviting them into this space right uh right now it's rude to you it's just like yeah silly <laughs> It is silly, and it's, um, I just don't know why people do it. I, I guess it's that same thing that we were talking about earlier, that they just want to trap you in something where they're just trying to make you feel some type of way, but I'm like, it always makes you think twice about the specific language you use when you're reviewing yeah. books. Yeah, and it's hard, too, because plenty of reviews that I've read that are bad, I'm like, oh, damn, you're right, that was a good thing for you to call out, or that is a good suggestion for me to think of next time, or nope, you just have, you just don't like me and I see what you're hinging on here and that's not useful for me to internalize. You very Absolutely. much, for you guys do with this too, you internalize the negative much more than the positive. It's hard right. to remember the positive reviews, but the negative ones, like, they're right here. Same with comments. It, it's weird to have that, that sort of psychology towards it where the negative mm -hmm. has so much more effect. Absolutely. Uh, Carly and Danielle, I know I've done this a couple of times, but since Victoria gave us a book, she's looking forward to reading from Book Talk. Do y'all have ones on your TBR that you haven't read yet? Uh, what a great question. I'm so glad you asked it. And not that I'm uh, quickly <laughs> opening my Goodreads to look. I want to read bookshelf or anything. I always have to check Goodreads to be like, what did I read this year? I should remember, but. Oh, I know. Oh, I'll say, I'll say this. Uh, and this is so embarrassing. Uh, you know what? No, I'm not embarrassed by it. I've been busy. Um, <laughs> my most anticipated, one of my most anticipated reads for uh, this year was Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie Garber. I bought it the day it was released. Uh, and it's been sitting on my little table. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> two weeks ago. I know. But in book talk, that's like a million years. <laughs> People have already read it and reviewed it. And I'm like, no. Um, but that one I'm incredibly excited about. I feel like I I learned of Stephanie Garber through book talk with Carvel. I had uh, some hard times getting through the first book. 
uh, but then got past enough of it that I got into that down, <laughs> the, like, snowball rolled, and I really, really loved her books uh, so much, so I'm so freaking excited to read it. It's also so beautiful mm. under the dust jacket is like this beautiful uh metallic i don't know i don't know like the technical terms uh but it's very beautiful so it's gonna look very nice on my shelf oh. so that's what i'm looking forward to I'm so jealous. <laughs> i have never had a beautiful book a beautiful naked book all my books are so plain naked i feel like they're sending me a message <laughs> I think your book covers are covers. stunning. The trade-off is I have had great covers, like ten out of every yes. single one. So if that's the trade, that's the trade. Good point. <laughs> Carly, what about you, babe? Um, I'm gonna go with Blackwater Sister by uh, Zen Cho. It's not talked about a lot, but I've seen like a few of the sapphic um, creators talking about it. It's it takes place in Malaysia. It's about a girl who is um closeted broken and moving back to malaysia um and she essentially uh her grandma dies and she starts to hear like this whispering and she's like what's that and it has like ghosts and goblins and like gangs and stuff um and it, she can actually talk to the dead and it's it's very interesting I'm, i have anything about talking to the dead i'm like give it to me please so yeah that sounds great i'm gonna add that to my list right now <laughs> yeah. Um, I am really looking forward to reading Iron Widow by uh, oh. Ron J. Zhao. I have no idea if I said uh, the name correctly, um, but it came out in September. I really want to read it. I don't have the brain space right now, so one day. <laughs> That's one of those books that the second people finish it, they're like, you just see their faces on TikTok and they're like, what just happened? I'm yeah. so excited to read it. Oh, oh. Yeah. That's a book after my own heart there. I know. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm reading um, Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri right now. I mean, so it's another one of those where I like have a hard time reading while I'm actually drafting or editing. So that's always so I'm slow going, but it's so good. It's so lush and rich. And I feel like I can, I can feel like the humidity on my skin while I read the book. Oh, it's so good. Well, I think you've been talking to us long enough that you're on the same wavelength as us because we were just going to ask you what your current <laughs> read is. There <laughs> you go. Um, I'm so excited to read The Jasmine Throne. I keep getting it on my Libby app and I can't, I'm like in the middle of too many things. I can't dedicate the like two week loan time. So I keep sending it back and I'm like, please one day. That's one of the high fantasy books I've read that does not apply to the like, give it a hundred pages and then you'll be on the roller coaster. It's mm -hmm. immediate. Oh, I'm in. Ooh. Excited about this world, this concept that you've got right here. Oh, I want to know more about that. Oh, I want to know more about that. Oh, I want to know more about that. It's very well done. Uh, Danielle, Carly, what are you currently reading? I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Um, I've been, I've been reading a lot of, um, just Kindle Unlimited, like, romance books, which I'm not embarrassed about. I like them. They are, like, when I just need to, like, relax and not think, I like reading romance books. But the, the one that I'm reading, and I'm gonna be very diplomatic, um, I don't know how I feel about it yet. It's called P Promises and Pomegranates. I don't even know the author. Let me hold on. Who wrote you? Um, by Savar Miller, and I picked it up because enough people were like, 
it's a Hades and Persephone's retelling, which if you know me at all, I'm a hoe for a Hades and Persephone's retelling. Uh, so I opened it, and literally the first page of the book is, this is not a Hades and Persephone's retelling. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, what? So it's, it's like... It has things about it that I'm uncomfortable with, but I feel invested enough that I want to finish it. That's where I'm at in it right now. Um... It has, like, a pretty high score on Goodreads, though, so I'm hoping that it picks up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's just a lot of smut. It's just a lot of smut right now. Mm -hmm. I love Spice. Mm -hmm. Every book I I post, they ask, does Red Queen have Spice? And every time I'm like, no. I really hate that for you. (laughs) And it's just not my skill. It's not what I'm good Mm -hmm. at. I can write death and dismemberment all day long. <laughs> we love to see it. All the little tension moments, where the curtain will drop. Yep. <laughs> my, again, my dad is the first one to read my books. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like pooping on this book. I think it's just maybe not for me. I think like mm-hmm. when you get into the adult, specifically like, really heavy smut books it sometimes will like veer off into like specific interests and I just don't think this is my specific interest so check the trigger warnings if you didn't get that from (laughs) any of what I was saying before you head into this book and just know it's not a Hades and Persephone retelling no matter how many times he calls her his Persephone it's not a retelling Harley I see you holding holding something holding something uh I have been in a reading slump but um, I picked this up because I was like, you know what? You know what? Why not? It is not the one I talked about last week, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> it is the archived by Victoria Schwab. Um, it's essentially about uh, a girl. Her name is Mackenzie, and uh, basically, her dad has passed away, um, and recently, her brother's passed away, and um, she has been led into this world of. Um, like ghosts she can talk to ghosts surprise it's another ghost book um um, and it's essentially the back says imagine a place where the dead rest on shelves like books um and so there's essentially like these people have these keys and they can go and like unlock these doors and go in and um like see ghosts and talk to them and stuff i'm literally like 10 pages in so i don't fully know what's going on but i like it that's all i know (laughs) Um, similarly, I am not very far into the book I'm currently reading. Uh, I'm trying to get back into fantasy. I'm like, all I want to do is read fantasy books, but wow, grad school makes that really hard. Um, cause all I can stomach is romance. It's like, that's it. But I did pick up, uh, The Flames of Albion by Jean Menzies. She is a, uh, TikToker who goes by, I just pulled up her handle, Jean's Thoughts. Um, she is wonderful. We've been mutuals for a while and she self-published this over the summer. And so I've been really excited to start it. And I made it through the prologue, which I really enjoyed. It like hooked me. So I just need to keep picking away at it. And basically the main character was raised in, um, like this university's walls and she has her schedule. She works um, 
in the library and just has a very like comfortable life. She doesn't really go on a lot of adventures until she um, awakens a sleeping dragon's egg. Mm. And uh, y'all know how much I love dragons. So I'm very excited to see where this book goes. Check back in uh, uh, at some point when I tell you how much I liked this book, because I'm sure I will. Um, well, thank you so much, Victoria, for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, where can all of our listeners find you if they would like to connect with you on social media? Um, no, you can find me on Instagram, on TikTok. Uh, it's just my name, Victoria Aveyard, and hopefully you find me in your closest bookstore. Amazing. Um, and if you made it to the end of this episode, you should head on over to our Instagram page at Books on the Brain Pod and leave the sword emoji to let us know that you listened. Um, I'm getting real good at picking these emojis, y'all. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can go ahead and follow us on our social accounts. Uh, I am at Deirdre Rose Morgan on Instagram and TikTok. I'm d.j.books on TikTok and on Instagram. And I am at Carly Rakashi on Instagram and at Library of Carly on TikTok. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Victoria, for taking the time to chat with us. We hope all of you listeners enjoyed this very special guest episode, and we will chat to you in the next one. Bye. Goodbye. All righty.